day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me, Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. The mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. You have saved the best for the last. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. After the sermon, let's sing together hymn 52, stanzas 1 and 2. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, at the very end of our text, we read this, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. So this is Jesus' first miracle, and in that first miracle, he revealed his glory. As soon as you read that, you cannot help but think of the opening of the gospel according to John, where we read in verse 14 about the Son of God, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, the purpose of John is to reveal the glory of Jesus Christ which is the glory he has from the Father. The Son and the Father are one. The glory of the Father is the glory of the Son. The glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is bringing to the world, he is showing to us that God so loved the world, he gave his only Son to die for sinners. So here in our text, we have the first miracle of Jesus that is going to reveal that glory. Now suppose that none of you had ever heard the Gospel of John before. You've only read chapter 1 together. Uh, I tell you that now he's going to perform a miracle that will reveal his glory. And I ask you, what kind of miracle do you think that will be? I suppose someone will say, he raised a dead person. Or someone will say, he calmed a storm with a single word. Or he drove out a demon, and that demon was completely scared of Jesus. You know, those are beautiful, good examples. But in our text, the problem that Jesus is dealing with is not a demon or a dead person or a storm that is threatening to swamp the boat. 
is dealing with a catering factory. They have run out of wine. Doesn't seem like a big thing. For all the weddings that I've done in my life, I have seen all kinds of things. Food didn't arrive, or there wasn't enough, or the cake fell over upside down, and, you know, it was not a big deal. The first miracle of Jesus in which he reveals his glory is a catering problem. How does that deal with glory? I hope I have whetted your appetite a little bit, spiritually speaking. We will see how fixing a catering problem reveals the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and the glory of the Father himself. To summarize our text in this way, Jesus revealed his glory at the wedding feast of Cana. See three things. My time has not yet come. You have faith in the best till last and the first of his miraculous signs. Now, because this morning we dealt with the part, the last part of John 1, we know the context of our uh, passage before us this afternoon. Jesus is about 30 years old. He had just begun his public ministry. He was baptized, and at that baptism, John the Baptist realized this is amazing because this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the Son of God who's become a man to save us. Our Lord Jesus Christ has only just begun, as he's just been identified, really hasn't done anything yet. He's off to a, a wedding feast in Cana on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. Interestingly, that's where Nathaniel's from, the, the most recent disciple of Jesus. I don't know if that's important or not, but it's interesting. Now, whoever invited Jesus must have been close to him. Mary was invited, Jesus was invited, and his disciples were invited. They must have been awfully close together, possibly a relative. Now, I'd like to tell you a few things about a typical Jewish wedding at that time. A wedding lasted about a week. And it was a time of festivity. Lots of food and lots of drink. And drink and wine. In the Old Testament, you can read many times that wine is something that was drunk to express joy. We just sang that in Psalm 116. So at a, at a wedding, there was, there was food, there was singing, there was relationships, and there was wine. Don't get drunk, but enjoy the wine all week long. Now, why was, why was a wedding such a big festival, such a, such a feast? Think back to Genesis 2 in paradise. God officiated the first wedding of Adam and Eve and brought them together so that in their married life together, they would dance. could enjoy each other and build each other up to live to the praise and the glory of God. That's why in the Old Testament, for instance, we read that God did not make a wedding feast. Marriage is very important to God and is very important to our Lord Jesus Christ too. So this was a, a beautiful week together. But something happened. We read in verse 3 that they ran out of wine. Now 
brothers and sisters, that was a big disaster. You know, if you had a wedding where you ran out of food or ran out of wine at that time, that could ruin the wedding. They could become the butt of jokes for years and years to come. In fact, the bridegroom could get sued. I mean, people took a week off. They took presents there. They meant to have a good time, and they, they don't have enough wine? I, I mean, today you can have a wedding, and you know what? The food doesn't show up, or there's nothing to drink, and as far as gas is concerned, you can always run out and pick up a few buckets of chicken and, and run over to Wine and Beyond and pick up a few bottles of wine. Don't get too excited. But back then, this was really a culture of care of your guests, it could put a dark cloud over the whole wedding. It was a very serious problem. Now, what, hap- what happens now, it gets very interesting, Mary says to her son, Jesus, have no more wine. And I think we all sense that, that Mary's not saying, oh, they're out of wine, but Jesus, what are you going to do about it? Now, I don't think that Mary had ever seen Jesus do a miracle I know there are ancient traditions that say, you know, when Jesus was a teenager, he'd make clay birds, clap his hands, they fly, they come to life and fly away to the entertainment of all the other kids. And those are different stories. Reading our text, this is the first of his miraculous signs. He's never done a miracle before. So what was Mary thinking? Well, we have to think a little bit about this. You notice that Joseph is not mentioned here, his father. We never read about Joseph after Luke 2 when Jesus is 12 years old. We assume that Joseph is a teenager and that that Mary is a widow. And Jesus being the oldest son, he would have to take over and take care of his mother and his brothers and his sisters. Now you know that Jesus is often called a carpenter's son. But in Mark 6, verse 3, he's called the carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. And when we consider that he was a perfect man, he loved God, he loved his neighbor perfectly, we must assume that Jesus was a superior carpenter, doing excellent work, having excellent relationship with his customers. He'd have made a good living. And he made a good living for his mother and his brothers and his sisters. And Mary understood that Jesus was superior. Everybody could do something he could. But she knew he was the son of God. She may even have been thinking at this moment, Jesus, maybe now's the time to reveal yourself. You are the son of God. Do a miracle. Now Jesus' response is puzzling to say the least. Says, dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. And I'll tell you, the NIV actually makes the original Greek quite polite. But Jesus doesn't say why. He says, mother, this is woman. He doesn't say dear woman. He just says woman. It's like a text is saying, hey, ma'am. It really puts her at a distance. He puts his mother off. He, he, it's off-putting. It's It's bit hostile. This is not the only time that Jesus would say that. This would be the beginning of Jesus 
putting distance between himself and his mother. For instance, in Mark 3, when Jesus is told by the crowd, your mother's here, your mother's here, and, and your, your brothers, Jesus turns to the crowd and says, here, are my mother and my brothers, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. It must have hurt Mary to hear that. She had nursed this baby, changed his diaper or whatever they changed in those days, taught him to walk, wiped his mouth, cuddled him when he fell and cut himself and was crying. She had loved him as a mother loves a child. And here's Jesus holding her back, calling her woman, not mother. It's not because Jesus didn't love his mother. When he hung on the cross, he saw his mother standing there with crippled legs. And he knew a, heart, a sword was going to her soul because John took care of my mother. He loved her. But at this point, as he started his public ministry, it had to be clear that, that to have a relationship with Jesus didn't mean you had to be a special friend or his mother or a brother or sister. You don't have a special in with Jesus. with him is a woman looking at her Lord and her Savior. And you understand an important application there, brothers and sisters, very much to the point in our text, that for all of us, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ not because we're born in a Christian home, not because we belong to the church, as wonderful and important as that is, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ Jesus could almost have been saying here that, you know, Mary says, look, Jesus, you're out of wine. And then his response would be, woman, it's not yet time for me to die. You don't set my agenda. 
You don't tell me to do a miracle. You don't tell me where to go or what to do. That's the prerogative of my, my heavenly father. Father, I love you. Let me talk to you. I will minister to you throughout the block, throughout the week, throughout the week. This is how we also understand the last sentence of our text. This, the first of his miraculous signs that Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee, he thus revealed his glory and his disciples that their faith was fixed. The glory that Jesus Christ will bestow here in our text is the glory of his disciples. He goes to the cross and lays down his life for sinners. Now all of this makes sense, but still you wonder, look, Jesus, why do you talk the way you do? I mean, what is the point of saying to your mother, my hour has not yet come? He could have said that in a, in a different way. And I have to agree, brothers and sisters, that we have here a very difficult statement of our Lord Jesus Christ. That should clue you in. That should be a tip-off for you the moment we say this is difficult. Because this saying here of Jesus is a lot like his parables. You know, we talk about the parables of Jesus, but they're also just proclamations and sayings of Jesus, and they're all designed to shut people up. That's the point of a miracle. A miracle is meant to shut down your senses. You are not supposed to understand this. This is not clear what Jesus is talking about. You understand nothing at all.
limit is that we're, we're looking here at about 600 bottles of wine. Now, at the Damascus ceremony, he takes some of that wine to the bridegroom and blows him away. The best wine he ever tasted. This is superior wine that Jesus Christ miraculously has turned to water just by a miracle. Now, that, that's, that's the simple part. The more difficult part is to look at some of the details. And there's four things here, some of which we've already touched on. Jesus' hour, that means he goes to the cross. The very scared bridegroom. Uh, the miraculous superior wine. And fourthly, those stone jars of water contained ceremonial water. You know, the Jews in the Old Testament, they, they used water for cleaning and for ceremonial cleansing, which pointed to an, an inward washing away of sins. The fact is, you can take all the ocean in the world and dump it on one person. It won't wash away the sin of that person. So when Jesus is standing there looking at those six stone jars of ceremonial water, you're looking at an old system, a system of water, which pointed to something fantastic that was to come, but it wasn't there yet. Jesus says, the old is out. He says, my translation is, the new is here. Something new and exciting is about to happen. And you can see it in the miracle of taking water and turning it into wine. Something beautiful, something joyful, something that talks about the great celebration. And the celebration that Jesus we have here at the feast a very happy bridegroom with bacon eggs and cheese. You know, he's, he's been, his reputation has been saved. There's wine to go for the whole feast. But there's another bridegroom who's very close. The one bridegroom says, we got wine! The other bridegroom says, oh, he says, we bought it. We did it for the joy of saving sinners. But it was very sobering. It was daunting. It was frightening. He would have to come under the wrath of God to die for the sins of people to make them into beautiful brides. And the way that this bridegroom could obtain a beautiful bride is made clear by Peter in his first epistle when he says, did you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or blemish. Jesus Christ is the lamb of God, and he is the heavenly bridegroom who obtains his bride with his precious blood. We will read later on in Revelation 21, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. You are that bride, my brothers and sisters. And you are beautiful. It's not in yourselves. But when you personally believe that Jesus is your Savior, and you ask that his precious blood washes away your sins, you are beautiful. 
horrible, sinful thoughts and words and deeds you have are washed away and cast into the depths of the sea. You're born again as the bride of, the bride of Christ. You're born again by the power of the Spirit. We live our lives to the praise and the glory of God. A beautiful reality that is seen in the blood and the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You notice in our text that that we read the wine that Jesus made was good stuff. The master of the banquet called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. You have saved the best for last. I think we all know this is true. If you're going to have a party, if you get together with friends, you'll never serve the cheap wine first, ever. Because your taste buds are so clear, you haven't had any wine but if you have really good wine first and then a glass of inferior wine, you might not save it. But at this banquet, it is saved. The best is saved until last. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ said at the celebration of Lord's Supper just before his death, he said in Matthew 26, I tell you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I will drink it anew with you kingdom of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ says, after I die for you, I go to heaven. One day I will come back for you. We will celebrate the eternal wedding feast of the Lamb. As long as you're in this world, you'll be drinking the cheap stuff. There's still a world where it is good. There's still a word, world where we as brides, we will make dirty that beautiful gown that our Lord Jesus Christ has given to us instead. But the good stuff will come when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And we will be perfectly transformed by the Holy Spirit. We can't sin anymore. And we will drink the wine new with us, new with our Lord Jesus Christ and his Father's banquet. Which brings us to our closing remark. We come to the last verse. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. Remember in our introduction, we said what we have here is a catering problem. Nobody died. Nobody's sick. No boat is being swamped by a storm. Nobody's demon possessed. They just ran out of wine. But when we put everything together, our Lord Jesus Christ saying, now the clock is ticking. My hour is precious. When we see that this old system of water is being transformed into the beauty of wine, pointing to the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, then we see indeed that the glory of Jesus Christ is returning. The glory of the one and only is going to stop Nothing's going to stop him. He's not backing out. Right from the start, here, first and foremost, is a miracle that Jesus says, I'm dying for you. I will pay for your sins. It's so beautiful to read there that the disciples put their faith in him. Now, we know that the disciples didn't understand everything perfectly yet. They didn't even understand that Jesus would have to die and rise from the dead but it would become clear to them after Pentecost. To this day, their apostolic witness is true. 
Jesus and what he could do and who he trusts that's the foundation of the gospel that we get to this very day and I'd like to close with a quotation from Revelation 19 the great multitude of heaven is singing hallelujah for our Lord God almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready fine linen bright stains Thank you.